Xavier University is tackling Ohio's nursing shortage by giving individuals with non-nursing bachelor's degrees an opportunity to accelerate into the profession. Whether you studied accounting, biology, marketing, or anything in between, our ABSN program can prepare you for nursing practice in as few as 16 months. So if nursing is your calling, now's the time to answer it. Enroll for one of three terms at our locations in Cincinnati, Cleveland, or Columbus. Search Xavier ABSN to apply. Welcome to Geek Scours Movie News, your source for film headlines, previews, and reviews, all in glorious podcast form, and brought to you by LRM Online. I'm Fox, and with me virtually, we have Chris. I'm here virtually, hello. <laughs> and also virtually, here is Jill. Hello, everyone. In this week's episode, number 383, we have... A G.I. Joe prequel. And a Looney Tunes sequel. So that must mean it's time for the glorious return of the monthly preview. We are going <laughs> to focus on movies from July 2021. In this game, we present to you made-up numbers with absolute confidence that cannot be assuaged in any way, despite how unfounded <laughs> it actually is. As a reminder, these include the film's Rotten Tomatoes score and the amount of money we think it's going to make opening weekend at the box office, considering that's a real thing again that can actually happen. Finally. So it's very, very exciting. Yes. Our numbers are going to be all over the place. Just a spoiler alert. It's going to be really interesting to see how well we do with this. But Jill, we begin with Black Widow on July 9th, the long-awaited entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe focused on Natasha Romanoff. What can you tell us about it? Sure. So probably the most important thing to know about this movie is where it fits in the rest of the timeline. So mm -hmm. I think the people who are going to be most interested in seeing this are people who are familiar with the franchise. And this movie picks up the story right after Captain America's Civil War. So everyone's scattered a little bit. And that's where you get uh, Natasha Romanoff on her own. And I think this movie has been classified as kind of a spy thriller. And while I wouldn't call this an origin story, it seems clear that she's also going to have to confront some of the troubles of her past. And so it's kind of bringing all that stuff together as she's um, becoming a bigger part of the Avenger team. Awesome. Thank you. And let's talk a little bit how we think it's going to fare. And I'm going to go off script here. And I'm going to actually, can you do what you think it's going to do with critics first? Sure. So it's interesting when you look back at how the Marvel movies have done with critics. They're a little bit all over, but mostly they do well. So I would say the less liked Marvel movies I see in the 70s and Things like Endgame is 90s, you know, in the 90s, but a lot mm -hmm. of them are in the 80s. And I'm going to say this is going to be in the low 80s. I said 82. Um, I think people are going to like this, but her story has kind of been told and I think it's going to be a little bit of a hard sell to get people reinvested. I think you make some great points there, Jill. It sounds like we both think it's going to do positive, although I think I'm going a little bit higher than you. And I'll give you one possible reason that might be the case it's the absence makes the heart grow fonder bump right um it's been a while since we had one of these marvel movies and despite sometimes people hemming and hawing oh there's so many of them and oh they're a little bit the same 
people went to see them and they did have a good time. They did have heart. They did have humor. And yeah, we've had the television shows with WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier and now Loki, but it's not the same. It's not the same as going to the the theater. And I think critics will be warmed by that feeling once again, which will give it a little bit of a halo effect. So I'm going as high as 91%. Chris, what do you think? 91 seems pretty good. You know, I'm balancing a couple of things. The story is awkwardly tucked into the existing canon, right? It's a little weird to sort of go back and look at exactly this time frame, especially when a lot of people think, well, come on, Marvel. Why didn't you just make the movie when this would have been in chronological order? Like, why do this and and run back to make the movie you should have made before? And maybe there's an answer to that within the movie itself. I don't think we we know. Um, but, I mean, given the, the, the leadership over at Marvel and the, the turnover there, I think there are a lot of people who would have liked to have made this movie much earlier <laughs> than it actually came together. So we'll see whether it's worth the wait or not. Uh, so that's kind of on the negative side. On the positive side, I think there are a lot of critics who are – just going to be really like viscerally relieved to have Marvel back in the theaters. Like (laughs) this is the movie that's going to bring the masses back to the theaters, I think. And is going to be probably far and away the biggest movie since the, the return, since the return of the theaters post COVID. So uh, we'll talk about money here, here in a minute, but I'm going with a a generalized sense of relief, bumping this number up (laughs) to the 85% range. There's things kind of somewhere in the eighties. Um, a lot of these actors are really well liked. David Harbour looks pretty fun playing the kind of aged Captain America knockoff. Um, and uh, Florence Pugh, very hot right now. Uh, Rachel Weiss is always excellent. And so you got a really great cast here doing some interesting material in a part of the world that we haven't really seen much in the Marvel Universe. And so I think a lot will be forgiven around uh, the late appearance of this movie in, in Marvel canon. There's been a lot of interesting conversation, I feel like, in the last couple of weeks about how maybe this wasn't such a bad thing, given how much Black Widow's character has evolved since her introduction in the Iron Man movies. I mean, there's just so much more substance there. And I think that that's going to make this a much stronger movie. And as much as I would have loved to have this released 10 years ago, I am kind of excited that it's really probably going to be a very different movie than they would have released 10 years ago. And, And and I think that's really good for everybody agreed great point agreed that's a great excellent excellent point all right chris let's talk box office though you said you were gonna talk about those numbers soon and that time is now how is it gonna do at the box (laughs) office uh i do i I feel kind of round and round about this because it's worth considering the uh the appeal of the the cheap and lazy answer here Uh, black widow is going to be streaming day and date with the theater premiere. Uh, it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. You do have to pay that Mulan tax. you got to pay 30 bucks <laughs> up front to, to stream it. Uh, but it will eventually be free. So if you're the kind of person who wants to watch this you know, with your family, uh, you know, not on the 4th of July holiday, but shortly thereafter, uh, you can sit down with, with your, your folks and your kids and you can throw this on the, your, your big screen at home for 30 bucks, which is cheaper than, you know, buying four or five tickets at the, at a regular movie theater and, and watch it there. Also, this is going to be totally free on Disney Plus in just about 90 days. So when October rolls around, we'll be able to see it for free. So I do wonder if he, there's, some people out there who are saying, you know what, I've waited 14 months for this since it was supposed to release back in, you know, <laughs> May of 2020. You know, what's three months more? I can I can sit around and, and, and watch it then for, for nothing. Um, and especially considering 
things with the pandemic that are still kind of hanging on, particularly in a lot of parts of the country, that may be as good an excuse as any to kind of sit this one out and and see how things develop and, and watch it in October and get excited for the Eternals. So what was your number? Oh, right. Numbers. <laughs> good analysis uh, I'm coming so down. far. Sorry. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't like making predictions. No, I, I'm saying 65 <laughs> million, you. which is... <laughs> I'm saying 65 million, which uh, would be very good and would be, I think, the best of anything that's premiered in the theater um, since COVID. But it is very low for a Marvel movie. And 65 would still be on the low side of most analyst projections. Yeah, uh, you mentioned best of COVID. I think the number to beat in that realm thus far is the box office call opening weekend for Quiet Place Part 2, which is about $47.5 million. For those of you who want some context, I also thought I was giving a low number, Chris, but it is higher than yours, $70 million. What I think we have in common here across all of us is that we believe that the gap of time is really going to play both positively and negatively on how it affects the movie. I think positively in terms of quality, but possibly negatively as it relates to the box office draw. Because I also thought about the, the idea about narratively where this fits in. As you said, Chris, you know, right now it's kind of hard to remember where does this take place? You know, is it a prequel? I thought black widow died. Did she come back and I missed it? You know, this was originally going to come out not that long after Endgame, where people had somewhat fresh in their mind where this character left off. Now, given how much has happened since then and a few other pressing matters, I think audiences aren't really remembering, you know, who this person is, why she's a poor man or what happened last when we saw her last. So again, I'm saying 70 million, which I thought was low, but it is higher than yours. But it's still, as we all agree, not Marvel money. Um, Joe, what is your thought? I my number wasn't that dissimilar from you all. I said 72. I I really think that this movie has two things going for it. One one being it's managed to generate a good amount of buzz despite the lag in time. I've heard so many um, reviews in the last couple of weeks, people talking about how really exceptional the action is. And this movie is a little different in that uh, a lot of it is fighting between non-powered people. You know, she has, Hmm. I mean, she's certainly very skillful, but she doesn't have superpowers. And so there's a lot of interesting, I think, battles and choreography that people are going to, people are getting really excited about. And so I've continued to hear really positive buzz about that, despite, you know, it being a while. And then I think the second piece of that is just People are itching to go to the movies again <laughs> and finally feeling like maybe they can. And this, you know, this movie appeals to an audience of people who, you know, a lot of whom feel more comfortable getting out of their houses now. And so I think that this is going to be a draw for folks who've been kind of holding off for an excuse to get out of the house. And so what was your final number? 72. 72. All right. We're pretty closely packed there. That's interesting. Yeah. It, All right, Chris, we're. Go ahead. It could we all could be wildly wrong. I mean, that's the interesting thing about this, you know. Right. If if it was a normal Black Widow release, maybe wouldn't be double that, but be would be quite could nah, be quite be could be close, you know. Yeah. And certainly. so that's a real big margin for error. So I'm very curious to hear where this lands. Yeah. Well, we'll check in at the end of the month. But right now, Chris, we're going to stay on the 9th of July and move into sequel territory with Space Jam, A New Legacy. What is happening here? (laughs) Space Jam, the next generation. Uh, We have LeBron James, famous basketballer, uh, has a son who loves video games more than basketball. Uh, Something 
Wiley happens, and uh, LeBron and his son are sucked into a digital universe and held hostage by a malevolent AI. The only way to escape from that AI is, of course, none other than to play basketball for reasons. Uh, LeBron James is stuck assembling a team of uh, Looney Tunes for his side uh, versus the AI's digital goon squad. Uh, So we'll see where this goes. I suspect antics. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get right to it. Hijinks even. Oh, well said. Uh, Let's get right to it. Uh, How's it going to do with critics? Uh, Yeah, the original Space Jam is not... It's not a good movie. Uh, it had some <laughs> enchanting moments, kind of, and it seems to loom really large in public memory for reasons that are not entirely clear to me. Uh, it was it was a pretty lousy, lousy movie, and I watched it recently, so I can tell you with fresh eyes, it bad. Um, <laughs> there might possibly be some kind of a gem hidden deep, deep down in the rough, and I know shortly after it came out, there were immediate talks of a sequel and Michael Jordan said, uh, yeah, no, thank you. Uh, there were talks of doing spinoffs with, uh, Tiger Woods and with Tony Hawk and these things never materialized. Uh, but finally it came back around and the, the, this current iteration started getting off the ground in about 2014 and it's just taken a very long time to develop. Do I think this is in capable hands who will bring us an excellent movie? No, I do not. Okay. <laughs> uh, the initial director of this movie was fired like on the first week of the job for creative differences with the studio. Uh, they brought in the guy who directed Undercover Brother and Scary Movie 5. Whoa. Not necessarily high points. Uh, so I can't Jeez. say I'm super oh optimistic God. of how this is going to turn out. Uh, the animation does look cute. It looks like definitely a step up from the last time. It's hard because you don't have all the voice actors you had in the 90s with the the original one. So I think for a lot of people who have not been watching Bugs Bunny cartoons in the last 10 years, which is virtually everybody, uh, <laughs> there's going to be a little bit of a, of a shock when some of these uh, you know beloved characters open their mouths and sound a little bit different. So I, I think it's going to be positive. I think it's going to be fine, but it's not going to blow anybody away. I'm saying 55%, which is a fair mite better than the original, which while predating Rotten Tomatoes, I think in retrospect sits around 43%. It's funny. I agree with everything you said, yet I was not nearly as generous as you were. Um, (laughs) After seeing the trailers, I was reminded, I'm dating myself, but we're talking about the same basic era here, of an exchange from the West Wing where the writers are talking about the correspondence speech the president is about to give. And he said, they go back and they have this exchange where they say, you know what they did? And the other person says, yeah, they, they forgot to bring the funny. And they, yeah, they, they forgot to bring the funny. <laughs> and that is repeated like six times in the episode. And that's what I see here. There is nothing humorful. That's not a word, but I'm going with it. In this trailer <laughs> whatsoever. It's just completely devoid of anything fun. Um, I never thought in a million years I'd be uttering the phrase, yeah, but it's nowhere near as good as the original about a Space Jam (laughs) sequel. But that's honestly how I feel here. A generous 21% positive. Jill, what do you think? Oof, oof. (laughs) That's generous in my opinion. I thought I was being kind. I I fell right in the middle of you all. Although I find when, you know, when movies get, you know, kind of panned. The difference between 20 and 30% isn't huge. So I said 30%. I don't really understand why we need this movie or who really who the audience is. It feels like a very hard sell. And I I don't watch the trailer and think, 
maybe there's something there. I mean, it just doesn't seem like it's coming together at all. Agreed. Some of that seems to be something missing a little bit in the story, and some of it seems to be kind of a lack of charm, which a movie like this really desperately needs. So anyway, that's where I landed was 30%. All right. Well, Jill, this is, in fact, getting a theatrical release, despite it actually being on home release as well at some point, I think. I don't even remember, honestly. But it is going to theaters. I know that. So how much is it going to make there? I'm going to say $20 million. Okay. I don't think very many people are going to go to see this in the theater. I think there'll be a few people who are who are desperate for something who you can see with a younger audience, but I don't think that I don't think that group of people is going to be very big. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you and I want to dig deeper into exactly something you said when you asked the question and I think it's a very very good one. Who is this movie for? The humor looks like it's aimed at a third grader, yet Spoiler alert, as Chris said, most third graders don't know who the Looney Tunes are anymore, Right. let alone the star power of Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, and C. Davis, because not only have Bugs Bunny and friends become cultural relics, so has the NBA. Um, let's, let's go back a little bit, because <laughs> think about this. Space, wow. Space Jam came out in 1996. And basketball recently had a huge bump in the public eye because four years prior, we had the 1992 Olympic basketball dream team for USA. And some of those players were coming back in 1996 for the Atlanta games. Today, way smaller market. So all this is to say is I'm predicting a huge flop, nine million. Nine. Nine. Wow. Nine. nine. Single digits. As in, will people go see this? Nine. Wow. That would be lower than In the Heights. That's really saying something. I'm aware. 11 million. Go ahead, Chris. I don't know. The thing that stuck out to me is this, as you said, the humor seems to be aimed at a third grader, but third graders can't get vaccinated. And so I worry (laughs) about who's going to take their third grader to the movie theaters to watch a movie. I think about Disney Pixar. They just made the decision to send uh, Luca, their new movie, directly to Disney Plus because they didn't want the bad press of putting out a kid's movie in a time when kids really ought not be in the movie theater. Um, so I I agree with Fox. I'm really worried that this is not going to connect at all with the audience that it's intending to connect with. Uh, I do think there That's are enough point. people with, you know, nostalgia, I guess, for the first one who are curious to come out and see a second one. Not a ton, but a few. And there are people who just want to get out of the house and into a nice air-conditioned movie theater in the middle of the summer. So I, I'm going higher than nine, uh, <laughs> but pretty low. I'm saying 25 million domestic opening weekend. <laughs> You're the high so, one. You two are, you two are way <laughs> off. Way off. All right. From prequel to sequel, and now back to prequel with Snake Eyes. Jill, you're up to explain what this movie is all about. All right. <laughs> Played with a lot of Snake Eyes character, uh, toys when you were a kid. A lot of Snake Eyes toys in your house. I um, I, there weren't in my house, but yes, it's a prequel. I would also call it a reboot. So um, okay. I'm going to talk to maybe the people who this franchise is a little less familiar with because I think that that might be helpful. So um, I think that's most people at this point. So I think you're doing fine. Feels like a good assumption. There's been three, and correct me if I'm wrong, live action live action G.I. Joe movies, this being the third. Um, oh, okay. This being the third. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There have been two already. There's been yeah, two yes. already, and then this is the third one. Um, and the first Rise two- Rise of the Cobra <laughs> and Retaliation. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Jack Black. Um, yeah. The first two were focused on Duke. Um who is a different main character 
does he go by something else, the colonel? No, 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 no. I was just d- deciding whether or not the second one focused on Duke because he's killed in the first five minutes. Spoiler alert, but that's fine. That's Snap, fair. Fox, um, come on. Oh, I know my G. I did my. Did you, none of you do the homework? What's up with that? <laughs> um, but I guess I would say that it, Snake Eyes is in the first two movies, but not the person who the movie is focused on. And so, lesson number one. G.I. Joe is not a person in these movies. It's a group of people. The person I would call the main character, uh, is it Channing Tatum played him in the first two movies? In the first movie, it's Channing Tatum, yeah. Okay. And then um, uh, Dwayne Johnson played Roadblock in the second one. Okay. Um, so that's not who this new movie is focused on. But the, but Snake Eyes was in the first two movies. Um, and I think that what makes this movie different, it, Snake Eyes is generally a character that doesn't talk at all. And I think the story behind that varies from the comics and the movies, but either he is taken a vow of silence or he's had some damage to his vocal cords where he can't talk, but he doesn't talk generally in the movies. And so I think one of the things they wanted to do with this new movie is, is to have an origin story for him where they really, you meet this character before his injury and you actually get to know someone who I think is relatively unknown in the other movies. Okay. I feel like um, that was a little rambling, so my apologies. No, no, that's fine. Hey, guess, good for you. So are the movies, so it's fine. Yeah. It's really, you're in good territory right now. Um, well, how is, how is this masterpiece going to do with critics? Yeah, so I guess all that to say, really, that this movie seems to strike a very different tone than the others. So Snake Eyes, like the the plot line for this movie is that he's a lone fighter um, who's recruited into a ninja clan before joining the Joes. And so that, like, this sort of element of, um, like... His his involvement with this clan is a very different style than I think the other G.I. Joe movies. And some of that is um like the the fighting style. A lot of it is swords, which makes it really different. Um it felt to me the trailer felt to me a lot like John Wick uses a lot of swords too. And I feel like the the choreography some of the choreography reminded me a little bit of John Wick. I honestly don't think this is going to be as bad as the first two G.I. Joe movies. I find Henry Golding to be really appealing as a main character. And I think that this is a really different take on the franchise. I think they're honestly trying to minimize a little bit the affiliation with like people who know Snake Eyes is a G.I. Joe character. Great. But if you don't know that, you could just enjoy this as an action movie with a lot of good sword fighting. So I think it might do much better than the other two movies. I'm saying 70%. Interesting. Okay, I do want to confirm to audiences that you are indeed listening to Geek Scholars Movie News, and I used to be the positive one, and that apparently has changed during COVID, (laughs) because I say Jill's out of her damn mind. Um, I'm just, maybe I'm I'm just really excited about the new G.I. Joe movie, Fox. I don't know who you are anymore. Um, (laughs) Let's let's get this out of the way. I went half that at 34%. (laughs) Let's get that out of the way. I don't want to bury that lead. Um, Look, I agree with you. I like... Henry Golding a lot. Um, he we've seen him in Crazy Rich Asians. I think is the biggest thing mm-hmm. he's been in. Yep. Um, and he'll pop up in a few other things. Probably in Hallmark. Last Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, I knew there was yeah. a Hallmark Christmas movie that one of you would know the title of. It's not Hallmark, nope. please. Hulu. So sorry for offending that 
particular genre. Look, but I don't think his charisma can save what looks like a rote action movie circa 2004. <laughs> yeah, okay, it looks a little bit more polished. Those swords are very shiny. But the snippets of dialogue sound very crowdsourced, which is not that surprising, considering it had three writers. Um, there's nothing wrong with this. It just doesn't have anything that makes it look special or distinctive. So, yeah, 34%. Chris, what do you think? Has some strong ballistic X versus Sever vibes right. from that early early two thousands uh, action extravaganza exactly. sort of thing. Uh, I don't know why you lack confidence. This is from the director of R.I.P.D. Um, <laughs> See, okay, I mean, oh, that was atrocious. Uh, no, I'm, I'm being I'm being rude. The same guy also did Red, which was actually pretty fun. Yeah. Um, that was a movie that was largely carried by the the cast. You know, and they cast were doing a lot plural, of work to... many different people doing a lot of work in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Uh, there are fewer people doing work in this, although Henry Golding seems to be doing a lot of work as much as he possibly can. The person who should be doing more work is Henry Golding's agent. Why did he let him do this movie? This <laughs> no, is such a terrible idea. Agreed. Please get Henry Golding better roles. Henry Golding, please go with new representation. Uh, you're killing me. Please stop it. Uh, this is going to be bad it might be you know it might be interestingly bad it's a movie i would totally watch on a rainy day um but i don't expect much in this and i don't think critics are really going to get down on it either i'm saying only 30 percent, so i'm going even lower than oh, you right. Fox, I feel who better. Went half of jill I feel better okay i feel better now well what about at the box office again this is meant for definitely a theatrical release um chris is gonna make money yeah uh i'm trying to think of who's gonna show up and, and see this it seems to be aimed at Teenage boys, one would certainly think, but teenage boys who were perhaps too young to remember how bad the last two G.I. Joe movies were. Um, are G.I. Joe toys still a thing? I don't think we're going to get any of the younger audience in this at all. And there's not even really G.I. Joe branding on this. There's no evidence of G.I. Joe's being present in the movie, although there is some Cobra stuff. Which I kind of liked, and I'm kind of down with. Uh, so who's going to show up and see this? I'm thinking... Some teenage boys who have short memories and some elder millennial dudes for whom the Baroness was a problematic yet formative cartoon crush early in life. Uh, I'm not saying that's a large demographic. Wow, 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 uh, so wow, not, wow. <laughs> a lot of things uh, problematic about that. Yeah. Yep. Maybe what about all the 40-year-old women who like good sword fights? Yeah. I mean, they should come. <laughs> okay. Um, there's a little bit to unpack pack there and i'm gonna recycle my <laughs> argument from the last section in the same way we're recycling hollywood ip but i'm agreeing with there's you dozens of us fox dozens yeah dozens <laughs> um yeah i agree what was the last time ga joe relevant in any way to something you both alluded to i should know that at one point there was a subtitle colon gi joe origins that has subsequently been dropped from all marketing uh which is a smart move but again i'm a little befuddled why not just invent a new character, a new franchise, yeah. a new legend? I mean, I'll be honest with you, like the the most simplest pitch, there's a modern day ninja yep. that decides to go silent. Um, is a fine idea. I don't understand why you have to shoehorn a prequel sort of reboot into a franchise. I sort of think that any connection to G.I. Joe totally hinders this project. Um, for lots of different reasons, like whether it's irrelevant or you don't know anything about the particular universe. You're like, oh, I'm not, you know, I can't walk into the third movie, that kind of thing. I'm saying 12 million. And again, I don't even know if that's, I don't even know if that bar is going to get hit. After all that, Jill, what do you think? How's this going to do at the box office? 
Again, I'm going to be the most optimistic here. Of course you are. And I'm not sure where all this G.I. Joe optimism is coming from. But honestly, I think they're really trying hard to distance this from the franchise. And the reason... I've seen some interviews with the writers and directors, and I think the people who are involved in this in this project, especially the writers, they're really excited to explore this guy's origin story. And I think the story itself is coming from some of the G.I. Joe comics, which I think the people who wrote this movie are excited to share those stories with other people. And so I think that's why it's not just some random guy who likes to sword fight, but a particular a particular person because they have a particular affinity for this character and wanted to explore that story. I think for the people who watch the movie, it maybe doesn't matter. For people who know the G.I. Joe franchise, it'll be really cool to have that, you know, explored on the big screen. But for people who don't, it you know, the movie can just be about someone who, um, you know, who learns how to be just a crazy good fighter. Um, and I think they're leaning really hard into the choreography um, and that that's going to just that is going to bring a lot of people into the theaters. People are going to think it looks cool. And I said 32 right. million. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, we shall see if your optimism pay out, pays off. It's the Fox strategy. So I appreciate it. Um, all right. We are going to conclude on July 30th with Jungle Cruise, another Disney boat ride turned movie starring Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. Chris, what can we expect from this? So uh, there's a tree, and it's okay. uh, deep, deep in the Amazon jungle. And uh, legend has it this tree can cure any ailment. Uh, so you can see why people might be interested in that, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, as a mm -hmm. MacGuffin. Uh, Emily Blunt wants to find it, and she hires Dwayne the Rock Johnson as her local guide to escort her down the Amazon River to to find this source of healing. He does not believe that it exists, but it apparently hasn't stopped him from searching for it all the same for years. But she has access to something that he never has, a key that might lead him to the destination. <laughs> uh they're an unlikely duo on an aquatic adventure. Uh, it's a little bit like Indiana Jones meets the African Queen by way of Tomb Raider and Pirates of the Caribbean and Dora the Explorer. <laughs> There's a lot to take on here. It's quite a mix. It's quite a mix. Yeah. So will this resonate with critics, do you think? I was pretty prepared to talk about how unneeded, unnecessary, and terrible this was going to be. Uh, it is both unneeded and unnecessary. Might not be terrible. I don't know. Uh, it's from the writers of Bad Santa and the director of The Shallows and a bunch of other horror movies. This is a group of people who have done a whole lot with very little and created some pretty solid movies in the past. So I guess I'm holding out some hope. I mean, certainly Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt are spectacular, charismatic folks who can carry a movie, either one entirely on their own. And I think throwing them together could be a lot of fun. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed to see that the trailer, there's just so, so, so much CGI. There and it's is, clear yeah. that they're just sort of like on a sound set somewhere, bouncing from green screen to green screen. And it doesn't really feel, the sense of adventure is kind of undercut by the, the cartoony silliness of it all. Um, and if it's, you know, if it's comedic and, and fun and a romp, it might be worth it anyway. I just, I worry about how it's going to kind of congeal and come together, uh, particularly given the constraints of making this movie during during covid uh so we'll see i think i'm cautiously optimistic I, i'm not going into the the pure positive territory but i'm saying like 57 positive <laughs> i think there's gonna be things to like about this even if it's unnecessary 
Yeah, I, I think you make a good point. I will say I will concede that I was disappointed that the CGI was not nearly as sharp as I would expect from this sort of a Disney yeah. tentpole feature. Maybe it'll look better in post and, and when on the final cut on the screen, but I agree with you there. Um, but what we don't agree with is how well this is going to do it. I bet I have the highest scores in both of these categories. Let's start with the Rotten Tomatoes because I went as high as 78% positive. Not a classic, but solid. And the reason is this. There's just nothing like a real good adventure, a little action, a little mystery, some engaging characters leading the way. And when I watch the trailer for Jungle Cruise, I do get all of that full throttle. Like, I think this is the kind of popcorn movie that audiences are craving right now. And sort of similar to my argument with the Black Widow uh, film, you know, I think audiences are going to get that warm, fuzzy feeling inside and give it very, very high marks across the board. 78% positive. Joe, what do you think? Uh, I didn't say quite that high. I said 62. I do think that you can go a really long way with just Emily Blunt and The Rock full stop. And mm-hmm. to have them Agreed. both in this interacting together should be really fun. And to have them in an action-adventure movie should be even more fun. And so I almost feel like everything else about this movie would have to be so horrible to make it bad that I'm putting a lot of faith in just getting, A, their taste, and B, just getting the two of them on the screen together is going to be really fun. All right. But will it make money, Jill? Well, everybody's going to be going to see G.I. Joe, so... <laughs> so... <laughs> There may not be that many. It won't even be fair. G.I.G. will be on every screen, kind of like Endgame was doing. It'll just be on every... You won't even be able to get tickets. It's not even fair. It's totally how it's going to go. I don't know. This This doesn't feel like a movie that gets people out of the house, you know? It feels like a movie that would be really fun to watch on Friday night on your streaming service. Like Christmas Chronicles, a movie like that that came out on Netflix that was very fun, was fun and had some really good charismatic actors. And if it had been released in the theater, maybe wouldn't have done gangbusters, but was good for what it was intending to be. And I think this movie falls a little bit into that category. So I'm saying 22 million, which is not nothing, but not great. If I had to bet on a movie to bring families back to theaters, I'm betting on this one. I get vibes of, yep, totally am. Vibes of National Treasure, Jumanji, the first pirate movie, as you alluded to, all rolled into one. And thus, the range of appeal is going to be pretty darn broad. Kids are going to squeal delight at the pratfalls and mishaps. Older patrons are going to enjoy the oozing charm, as you just alluded to, of Blunt and Johnson. Uh, Get ready for this. I'm saying 72 million. No way. No. That's like Black Widow number. Yep, sure am. Wait and see. No. Wait and see. It'll be the end of July. The the box office will start rolling. People will start going to movies. It'll get the people will pave the way with all that Black Widow and GI Joe money. Um, and then people will be like, "Oh, I guess it's okay to go to the theaters." And this is what they're going to go see. You are crazy, Chris. Conf- confirm how awesomely right I am. Go for it. You <laughs> could just, if you don't, even, if you want to just say ditto, that's fine, and we can move on. But if you'd like to say a few words about how accurate I am, the floor is yours. <laughs> Objection, Your Honor. Uh, I think... You... <laughs> no, I uh, completely disagree. I, I think this is going to be that people are going to be very excited to wait and watch on streaming when it's free, you know, in October. Uh, it, does look, it does look fun. I kind of secretly want it to succeed. This has the best poster of any movie that I've seen in a long time, and on that merit alone, I, I think I have to endorse it. Uh, but it's... 
I think it's going to be light. I think it's going to be real light. I'm saying 18. I think it's going to be I'm way bad. off. I think this may be bad. the biggest spread ever. Wow. This is pretty, I mean, outside of like a $500 million movie, this is probably the biggest spread for a small movie yeah. uh, that we've ever had on the small show. Small movie. The budget wow. was probably yeah. like $275 million. All right, we'll see yeah. how wrong I am later in August. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. But that is it for our monthly preview. So now it is time for trivia brought to both of us by Jill. Sweet. Well, if you haven't already guessed what the trivia is going to be about this week, it's going to be about G.I. Joe. I was hoping okay. it would be about the like the 1990 Snake Eyes movie, which I was really hoping would be the remake that we were going to get. Yeah, <laughs> man, Brian De Palma, <laughs> Nicholas Cage, has a fantastic like a 10 minute one continuous shot. Uh, yeah, opening sequence is great. Not the whole movie, but the, the first sequence. Yeah, is that's great. pretty good. All right, well, one of the two of you mentioned this. This movie is being directed by Robert Schwenke, who. As you mentioned, directed Red, also directed The Time Traveler's Wife. Those are probably the things that he's most well known for. The other two movies I thought had really notable directors. And so I think for having done so poorly, um, had so much talent attached to them. And I think that was one thing that I found interesting as I went back to look at them. So can either of you remember who directed G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, which um, as a hint, debuted in 2009. I know the director of one of the two, but I don't know which one it is. So I'm going to guess it now and say John Chu. Nope. Okay. Brian De Palma. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I, have no, I have no idea. It was, so he also directed The Mummy. Oh, Stephen Summers. Oh. There we go. All right. Nice. Okay. Which means G.I. Joe Retaliation was directed by... John Chu. John Chu. Okay. Who everybody I think has been talking about this last month for directing... In the Heights, Crazy Rich Asians. I mean, he's he's a director who has a really wide variety of movies um, under his belt. I thought that was really interesting. So um, the acting, my last question is just about the acting talent. So the acting talent in the first two movies also really surprised me. So I'm going to um, read a list of actors and I want you to tell me which one of them was not in one of the previous films. Either of the two? Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, Christopher Eccleston, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Dwayne Johnson, Dennis Quaid, Brendan Fraser, and Bruce Willis. I know the answer. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? No, he played Cobra Commander. Uh, No, Brendan Fraser. All of them were in it. Oh, Oh, Brendan Fraser was in it? Yep. Every single one of those actors was in one of those two's movies, which that's like so much star power. That is. Which I thought was also really interesting, so. I question whether Brendan Fraser's a star, but. (laughs) Do not speak ill of the Fraser. Agree to disagree facts. I'll thank you to take that back. (laughs) All right. Well, a special thanks to LRM Online, The Front Porch, Anna Vogelzang, and the 440 Alliance. As always, we encourage you to subscribe to the Geek Scholars Movie News Podcast through the LRM Podcast channel, which you can find on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to give us a review. Those are dandy. Until next time, this is Fox. And Jill. And Chris saying, thanks, guys. You got a lot of, a lot of, well, whatever it is, you got a lot of it. What is that from? It's from the original Space Jam. Uh, After Michael Jordan and the Toons win the game, that's the nicest uh, thing he can think to say. That's really backhanded. That's nice. Yeah, such a such a memorable line from such a memorable movie. Yeah, it's amazing I could pull it. It's weird, honestly. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's gonna be such a train wreck 
I can't believe you two are down on Jungle Cruise. I'm I will tell you, look at how much money yeah. those, look at how much money Jumanji has made. That's really my barometer. Like those Jumanji movies made tons of money. This is totally ones? different now. Totally yeah. different. Really, it's The Rock in the Jungle again. No, no, I just mean <laughs> going out. To, are you talking about the box office? Well, I'm talking about everything. I mean, going our Rotten Tomato scores weren't that different from yours. No, going out right. to the movies in like. I don't. However, you want to say it. Where wherever we are in the pandemic at this point, I feel like especially for younger for your younger crowd, like people are comfortable at home. And I mean, obviously, people are still gonna are starting to go out, but I think it takes a little more convincing. I think Black Widow has that uh, power to get people Agreed. to get people going. But are people really gonna go out for a Jungle Book movie? A Jungle Beast, Cruise movie? Jung, jungle, jungle not Park. for a Jungle Book movie. That would be preposterous. But but that's exactly my point is that I think we I think there's going to be like the, oh, there's going to be a headline about how much money those movies make. And so people are going to be like, oh, I guess it is safe to go to the theater. That's my logic that I'm banking on, that other people will go to films throughout July. And then by the time you get to that, people will be like, oh, well, I guess it is okay to go. That's my That's my twisted way of thinking. But we'll see. All right, have a good week, everybody. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.